Welcome to the Instructional Redesign Podcast. Our guest today is Matt Pierce. He's a learning and video ambassador, which is such a great title, at TechSmith, where he is, among other things, the lead for TechSmith Academy, a free online learning platform. You may also know Matt as being the host of The Visual Lounge, a live video podcast hosted by TechSmith, where he interviews experts both in and adjacent to the learning and development profession. It's a live show that streams on YouTube and then is distributed as an audio podcast. Welcome, Matt, to the Instructional Redesign Podcast. Joseph, thank you so much for having me here. I'm excited to chat with you today. Yeah, Kara is sorry she couldn't be with us today. Uh, She's no doubt off doing super important learning leader things. Uh, But I'm excited to talk with you. I've known you for a bit. We've met in person a couple times at various L&D conferences um, a few years back. But since then, you've taken on this ambassador role at TechSmith, and I have observed you really come into your own and grow in some interesting ways. So first off, you help stand up the TechSmith Academy. Let's start there. What is the TechSmith Academy? And if I were somebody looking to learn more about the basics of producing video, why would you recommend I check that out? Yeah, great question. So the TechSmith Academy uh, really is meant to be a platform where we want to, as a company that makes a video tool and an image tool with Camtasia and Snagit, we wanted a platform that people could go to to learn key information that's not about the product. There's, you know, in a lot of skills, there's like the product you can use. And then there's the things that you need to know to be able to not just use the product, but make good outcomes. So for instance, uh, we'll take another product. So it's completely different, right? You can be really knowledgeable about using the buttons in Photoshop but that doesn't necessarily make you a good digital artist. There are things about digital art, about color theory and and design and layout that are all really important. So translate that to video. There's things about video and making images and screenshots that are you need to know. And so we came up with this idea that um, what we really wanna do is be able to provide this information for a couple of reasons. One, because we feel it's valuable Two, we think anyone that has good knowledge about writing scripts and storyboarding and and shooting good video and editing good video, uh, even if they're not using Camtasia, is going to kind of raise the whole industry. And ultimately, we hope that as someone's going through that process, if they don't know about Camtasia or Snagit, hopefully they get curious and they want to learn more about the tools we make. And that's not the primary goal to sell anybody anything, but it is uh, a nice uh, tangential, tangential outcome, you might say. So... You know, it was, I think what's really exciting about it is it gives us a platform to talk about these things that, are that again, are not product, that are, are very useful. And so why would you go there? Well, because, one, it's free. Two, you don't have to sort through all the things on YouTube. You're going to get a relatively good, consistent quality um, from a voice that hopefully you can, you can look to as a trusted voice. Uh, and there's lots of great stuff on YouTube. I don't want to disparage anybody that's doing great stuff on YouTube. But you also have to sort through the billions of content pieces of content to find the thing that might work for you. Now, that being said, we might have something that you're like, oh, that's not exactly what I need. And that's okay too. Um, but we, you know, we just keep trying to grow it and expand it so that we have really a defining source of like one-stop shop. If I'm in the world of learning development, I'm a technical writer, maybe even a little bit for marketers that are not, you know, they're not video producers. Come check out the Academy. We think that there'll be something that will help you get started and move down that that learning path. Yeah, and I can definitely confirm that it's not 
product specific. I mean, the stuff you talk about obviously could apply to your products like Camtasia and Snagit. Um, and it's a great, maybe one of the best examples of customer education that's out there, but they're kind of tool agnostic at the same time. Cause you're talking about the processes, um, that, that go into producing a good video. So it's something I've recommended to people many times. What I appreciate about it is that even though so many aspects of video production can become very complex and overwhelming, especially to beginners or those that are experts in something else like instructional design. From what I've seen, the videos are really simple and approachable. So how intentional was that? And do you keep a certain kind of audience in mind when you make and plan your videos that are going to go in the Academy? Yeah, it's, it is really important. We, we wanted them to be simple because we, we know from a, just a general TechSmith audience, our audience is typically people who are experts at other things. They are instructional designers, they are trainers, they are, you know, maybe they're doing UX or other things that that's where their focus is on. But what their focus is not on is becoming a, a, a strong video producer or, you know, understanding video. And it's not the thing that they've taught, uh, excuse me, that's, it's not the thing that they've learned to do. And so we, we keep that in mind that our audience is, they're probably either just getting started or they're kind of in that perpetual intermediate state where they're like, yeah, I need to know some and I would like to get a little bit better, but I, I don't need to be a Scorsese. I don't need to be a master uh, cinema, cinematographer. I just need to know enough to make something that's going to be clear. It's going to be understandable. And it's going to be effective at conveying the message, whether that's a, a message about learning or communicating something that's really important. And, and so we keep that in mind from a particular audience. We are, TechSmith is really good about breaking down our audiences. You know, we, we really focus on the training learning space is one of our key markets. Uh, technical writing. Uh, so folks that are doing more procedural technical writing stuff is another key market. Um, educators. And then there's really kind of this growing space that's, I'll call it tangential to the learning development and use the word is customer education. There's a whole segment of people who are working at SaaS or software as a service companies. They're working in software typically, and they need to train their customers. And so you know, we want those folks to be successful at that. Um, and so that's kind of how we break it down, but definitely intentionally meant to be simple. How do I want to say this? Over time, we'll probably want to include more complex ideas and approaches without ever trying to make the videos complex because we want people to continue to get better. And, and it's interesting, you know, as time passes, there's more tools, more opportunities to do more interesting, complex things. You know, we need to be able to respond to that in turn. Um, but our goal is always going to be kind of that early phase. Um, I'm getting started. I, I don't know how to write a script. I don't know about how to make really impactful moments. Um, and so we want to help them be successful. And then hopefully we can grow with them as well. Excellent. Yeah, it's, it's a great resource. I'll be sure to put a, a link in the show notes, but the URL is just academy.techsmith.com. And more recently, you've become host of this popular webinar series on YouTube called The Visual Lounge also hosted by TechSmith, where you interview lots of experts uh, while at the same time managing a live stream and, and keeping a live audience engaged. I think you have some help in the background, at least somebody that helps monitor the chat for you and things like that. But still, that's that's no easy feat managing all those those different things together. So I have a few questions about the show, starting with how well did you 
transition into being a live show host yourself? And was that something you were eager to pick up or something you were a bit reluctant? And how do you think you've grown since the show first started? Really great question. So interestingly enough, uh, I had actually started a live show at TechSmith a long time ago. And it was, I, I have this rule. I, if you look at my kind of career history, I usually tend to be too early. And so we stop doing things and it's like, oh, that didn't work. And we move on and then it, it will eventually come back around. So in 2010, I believe it was, we launched a show at TechSmith, a, a live streaming show called The Forge. And the idea was like, we did some interviews, but we also had other people from TechSmith in to talk about product. And uh, it's, it, it's interesting because some of the ideas have transitioned forward to here to 2020 and 2021. But so I had some experience. So it wasn't like completely foreign to me. You know, I've been a, a speaker at events sort of like live audience stuff. So that wasn't completely foreign. So for me, it wasn't a big like jump, like, oh gosh, you're going to do this thing. This is so hard because I'd had at least a little bit of experience there. So that really, really helped me know like, okay, I know, how, I know I can do this. Um, I think some of the challenges with it became that we really, and I think this is important to know, is we started this as a reaction to the pandemic. In March of 2020, everything like shut down. I had multiple events I was supposed to be going to that were in-person events. They stopped. We had other events that TechSmith was going to be exhibiting at. Those stopped. Like just everything kind of came to a screeching halt, as everybody knows. And we said... One, we, we wanted to do some things and we had some resources that we were like, we're going to provide for certain people who were affected by the pandemic and we're moving to remote work. And, and we said, well, we need a good way to get information out. And I said, you know, we've been kicking around this idea of a podcast. Well, what if, what if we just go live and just, you know, let's just try it out. And so we just started doing it. And, you know, it's, it's been really fun. If I look back at those episodes, there's things like, I'm like, okay, that was okay. Uh, but we we really have been able to progress a lot in terms of thinking about not only the quality of like, okay, well, what's this going to look like in terms of camera and audio and stuff like that? Figure that all out. But two, really start thinking about show structure and what are we going to do in that structure? And we've tried some different things and we'll probably try some more things because we have to keep experimenting to figure out what's going to really, really work. But the show evolved it, when we started, it was really just me talking about a topic, right? Like I'm going to talk about making better PowerPoint presentations or, you know, making a video or something like that. And those were good. And we'll probably do some more of those this next year just because it, it's easier than, as you know, it's easier than scheduling and, and getting a guest on the show. But but we, we'll keep trying things. And so format is something that we had to really learn about, like what works, what does the audience respond to? Um, I mean, even yesterday we had a show and I tried something new. We tried bringing in some uh, live polling to see like, would people engage? And they did, um, but there's time delays and it's, it's you got to work around those things. With all that said though, I think some of the other things, I, I've noticed that there are things that I feel way more confident about as a presenter because I have just the ability, I put in the reps, essentially, if we think about this from a kind of a workout perspective, I've just, I've done the thing a ton this year, uh, next week, uh, which will be the end of the, of 2021, we are going to be doing our 80th podcast for the year. Now, some of those are, most of those are the live wow. episodes that we do with interviews, 
Some of those are like uh, basically a, a three-person show format that we pre-recorded with a couple other people at TechSmith. So 80 episodes in 2021. Um, and you can't do that without just starting to figure out what works for you. How do you, how do you say things? You know, I've learned like I have a, a document that basically outlines my show. Um, it doesn't say it's not a script, but it's like, okay, here's where this is going to be. This, you know, it's the show notes of here's where my intro is. Here's my, here's my bio for my speaker. Here are my questions here. We want to insert, we do something called speed round questions at the end where they're quick, fast questions. Here's where that goes. And so through that, and then just, you kind of build up some, some habits, whether they're good or bad of like, I know at a certain point during the intro music, when I need to stop, look at the camera, focus, and I know what my intro is going to be. And I, you know, and whether I should change it or not, I don't know, but it's good morning, good evening, good afternoon, wherever you are, where you're, wherever you're watching from. And, you know, so you start to build some of these phrases and things that just help you be consistent, move through. Um, and I think it's, it's been really great because I've also seen that skill and the few events I've been to this year, when I'm on stage giving a presentation, you know, talking about a PowerPoint presentation or whatever, I can feel the difference. Like I can feel the confidence difference. I can feel things like my pacing, my ability to, you know, just control what I'm talking about has been enhanced. And I think a lot of it's because I have to do that on camera every single week. And, and so just mm -hmm. putting, again, putting in the reps has really, I think just made me a better presenter, more confident speaker. Um, and honestly, it just gets easier and easier uh, to the point where I'm kind of nervous, like, Oh no, what am I going to do wrong? Because I'm not thinking about it. I've gotten to that kind of that, I won't say a mastery level, but kind of curse of knowledge. Uh, you know, what do I not know that I know and I'm forgetting about because, you know, this is just, this is part of kind of the, the routine now. Mm. Those are such great points. And there's a certain aspect to doing work just in front of a camera as opposed to in front of a room of people that makes it a little bit easier, but also makes it harder as well. And one of the, the things that makes it harder is you don't get the facial reactions of the people in the audience. I had the experience back in September where for the first time in a while, since really long before the pandemic even started, where I presented in front of people and being able to see their reaction in real time I found it refreshing. Did you have a similar experience? You know, the, my first presentation out of uh, kind of post-pandemic here, even though we're not really through it yet, everyone had masks on and they were, it was in a huge room and they were very mm. separated. So I, yeah. I did not get many of the facial reactions, but you did get reactions, you know, you could, you could sense from body language and people mm. paying attention. So that was, it is really nice, but I actually prefer live now versus like a pre-record because live has an element. There is no going back, whether you're on a stage or on zoom or doing a live podcast, there is no fixing it. And so if I make a mistake, I just have to own it and be okay with it. And I make mistakes. I make plenty of mistakes, but it's helping me to understand like, you know what? That's okay. Perfection is not the goal. The goal is good content that is helpful and going to push people to be able to be better than they are today. Um, whereas right. I feel a great amount of pressure, especially working for a company that has a video tool. When I make a pre-recorded item, it has to be really good. Even if it's, you know, my abilities aren't that great. Um, sometimes it's like, it has to be good because the expectations are there. And so I, I, I do enjoy live for that purpose that I'm not self-editing as much. 
I'm not worried about the mistakes. I just got to keep rolling forward. And if I stumble and I'm in awe a little bit, well, the audience gets to know who I am. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And there's a certain aspect to doing things live that I term as failing out loud or even doing mm -hmm. a podcast and things that are recorded as well, because no matter how much presentation experience or production experience, whatever it is that makes you feel like you know what you're doing, going back to kind of putting in the reps, your fifth episode is always going to be better than your first and your 10th is always going to be better than your fifth. Like you're just continually getting better and learning to manage things on the fly that go awry, not just technology, you know, a, a question in the chat could throw you off all, all those different things. That's a, another skill set in itself that you just get better with over time. And I'm just curious, like, do you have, have you tried improv or something that, that has helped with that? No, I've never done improv. I mean, I, so I was a theater kid in high school a long, long, long time oh, ago. Okay. And I took like one or two theater classes in college. Um, and, you know, like for a small town, Michigan, I was probably okay. I'm not great. Uh, it's not something I would probably be comfortable doing now. But I do look at like some of the experiences I've had in my life have definitely lent themselves to dealing with lots of change. Uh, so for instance, uh, I was a missionary for my church and in, in that experience of spending two years, you never stay in one place very long. You're, you're being moved around every couple months and you're being partnered up with someone new every few months as well. So there's kind of this, always this kind of state of change. And, and I think I, I give a lot of credit to that, that, you know, you just kind of be, start to become resilient to change. But I'll admit, like this, even this uh, a week or two ago, I had a power outage at my home where I, I'm always recording from now. And I was like, oh no, it's 1230 in the afternoon. We go live at two. Gosh, what do I do? And I had to make a lot of these split minute, uh, split second, last minute decisions. And it was like, well, do I go? The office is 10 to 15 minutes away. Do I go to the office? Can I get like, and so you have to just kind of make these calls. And um, I was frazzled. I'll be honest. I was frazzled at, by the time I got everything set up in the studio at TechSmith, which is not my normal environment. It's totally different gear. Luckily, some things were already set up from a shoot they were doing on a, a previous time. But then you have to go in and you have to, as a host, and this is could be you could replace the word host with a trainer or with whatever role you're in. When you're on, all of a sudden you have an obligation, right? Like we, we can talk about this obligation I have to my audience, my obligation I have to my guests. My my obligation to the guest is I'm going to help them. I'm going to be there for them and they're going to be comfortable that I'm not going to put them in a position to fail because that was that's the worst thing I could do. If they fail, it is on me as that host. And as my for my audience, the obligation is that I'm going to give them information that we've promised. And 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 I'll admit sometimes it's difficult when you like, oh, we're going to call it this title. People don't read the title or they don't read the description what we're really talking about or or it's a little ambiguous, right? And so we, we but we try to say like, here's what the show is going to be about. You're going to get it at least that at some point. And we talk about you know it's probably like this podcast. I'm sure. You go in with a focus, you go in with an idea and you're thinking, I'm going to talk about this, but you might talk about someone's history or story or back backstory. And so you have to just be willing to roll with it. And I, I found that to be true with all kind of instructional design training because, you know, it could be that your SME throws a curveball at you. It could be that there's all these things that can happen that will change the dynamic or change 
what you need to do. And um, it's hard sometimes to be flexible. It's hard to be uh, coherent of all the things that are going on and like being aware, like you said, you can get questions that can, I've had, I've had those questions come in or those comments that come in that, you know, they're usually they're not nice. They're not kind. Mm -hmm. They're, it might be somebody frustrated with a product, not about the show, or they don't like the topic or they don't like the guest or they're grumpy with me for something. And that can throw you off, but you, you have to, I found that sometimes I just have to compartmentalize and say like, okay, Right now, I am the persona of Matt, the host, and Matt, mm -hmm. the host is not going to be rattled by this. Matt, the person, you know what? And when we're done with this interview, he's going to be angry or he's going to be sad or he's going to be whatever. He can deal with it. But right now, Matt, the host has to be on. And I, I find that that persona compartmentalization can help. It's not probably healthy all the time, but for this purpose, like when I, whether it's I'm um, doing the, the podcast or I'm doing a, a live presentation you know, having those personas of like a little bit more energetic, a little bit more this, that, that helps. And um, I think it's helpful for everybody to think about that. And it's not being disingenuous or inauthentic. It's just, uh, there's gonna, I'm right. going to play into certain aspects of my character and who I am, maybe amplify those a little bit more than I normally would if we were, you know, just having a, you're just sitting around having a drink and talking. Right. Yeah. And that's something that I eventually came to realize, even though you can be really genuine, there's still a performance aspect to it. Something that personally I've, I've really tried to work on, which may not come across well, is that um, I have an extremely monotone voice and I've learned over the years to kind of modulate my voice a little bit better to make it sound a little more interesting. And I really struggle with that. But when I hit record, my on-air voice comes on and it starts to do that. Whereas if I'm not recording, it doesn't, you know? So it's, it's things like that. Um, in another case, when I was working full time in the role I was in at the time, we needed to go out and showcase the things that we were doing from a training perspective to different areas of the company. So I was going around to different business units and things and talking about what we were doing. And in one case, there were both people in the room, maybe like 20, 30 people in the room, and then there were probably twice as many on the phone. And for whatever reason, people in the room just gave me this look like they didn't want to hear anything I had to say. <laughs> uh, and they were just done. I don't know if it was because like it was late in the afternoon or what. And it kind of clicked in my head. It's like, okay, well, if I've lost them for whatever reason, I've still got all these people on the phone. So I'm just going to present like, these people aren't in the room and just roll with it and not let them fluster me. And um, my manager was actually one of the people on the phone and he was like, Oh, you did great. <laughs> so <laughs> learning and, or just coming to understand that there's a performance aspect to doing things like not just live streams, but running online meetings and conducting virtual instructor led sessions, that kind of stuff I think really helps. So in that regard, you know, we mentioned, the pandemic several times so far. And that's obviously disrupted and changed many things, especially in regards to pushing more things to be online and virtual. If you could give some advice to someone who has suddenly found themselves needing to lead more online meetings and conduct virtual ILT sessions and might be feeling a bit overwhelmed, what would that be? What would you, what would you suggest to them? Yeah. Uh, wow. What a, what a great question. And I want to make sure I'm being thoughtful about this because First of all, I think it's okay to acknowledge if you're being overwhelmed. 
and if it feels difficult. And I and that's true whether you're doing like Zoom sessions or they're asking you to be on camera or, or whatever it might be. It's okay to be overwhelmed. It's okay to feel take take a breath, step back and say okay, and then ask yourself what what is it that's overwhelming me? Is it that that I don't like I don't like this medium. I don't like, you know, the sound of my voice. I don't like the way I look on camera. I don't want like it's hard for me to look at the camera and look at the screen. You, you know, I think figuring out what is causing that or what what's triggering that those feelings is first important because then you can address it. And I and I'm not a psychologist and I'm not a expert in addressing all those things, but I think just thinking about those things is and starting to figure it out is helpful. And then you know, if I'm going into prescriptive mode of like, okay, what would I do if I, when I feel overwhelmed? It's like, okay, what, what can I control and what can I do here? That's going to make a difference. You know? So for me, when I start to feel overwhelmed, cause I get overwhelmed and sometimes on zoom stuff, it's like, okay, what can I, what can I outsource or what can I give to someone else? So for instance, on the live show, what we were doing is I was just me. I was doing the cameras. I was doing the controls. And I was monitoring the chat and responding and trying to do it all. And it was just like, I can't, I'm not doing a good job at everything. And so who can I ask for help? And so we brought on Jesse O'Donnell and she's our social media manager and she's just fantastic. And fortunately she enjoys doing it and she enjoys being like watching the shows and being engaged. So that, that really helps too. But for, I just let her handle that now. And we've set up a system so that controls it. I was also struggling with trying to control, like, I didn't want to look at my key. I didn't want to look down at my keyboard, right? And have to hit keyboard buttons to to change the scene, to switch between who's the speakers and me and whatever. Uh, so I personally went out and invested in a tool that's like a button. It's like a little pad that's got, uh, I don't know, it's got 15 buttons that I can program to do, do things. And I'm like, okay, now I don't have to worry about keyboard shortcuts. I can just push a button. It's got a little graphic on it. It's wonderful. So I started like, there's, there's a little bit of this like outsourcing. There's maybe, is there a technical solution? Um, and then, and this is not the, it's advice I hate to give because it feels like, Oh, that's easy to say, but whatever it's, it's some of it's just practicing. You know, I, I love what you said about, you know, working on modulating your voice. Like if you're aware, like, gosh, that's, that's not working well, or it's hard or it's, uh, you know, not being received well, well, that's the thing I need to work on. Um, and so just take that time to go and, and start practicing and don't feel like you have to be, you know, let's say you're going to start a live stream. You don't have to be at my level tomorrow. Just pick something and work on that one thing. Take, do it over a couple of shows. You know, one, we talk a lot about the, uh, the kind of the 1% principle, right? Of if you just get 1% better every time you do something, or even every few times you do something, that will cumulatively add up over time and you're going to see greater results than maybe if you try to change everything because try to change everything, maybe it just things get worse or things will fail. And so I, I, I really believe in taking an incremental approach. Um, and there might be things that you say, well, I can't afford to do that. My job's on the line or my company expects X, Y, and Z. Um, and then if you're, st if, but at that point, if you're still struggling, who is good at it and who can coach you? Can you get a coach? Can you ask someone for help? You know, can you go to your, whoever your leader is and say like, Hey, I'm really, this is really causing problems. What can I do? Cause you know, there's lots of us in the industry that are willing to answer questions. We're willing to help. Um, and you know, we're willing to work with people as well, as well as I'm sure in your own, own organization. So 
I think those are probably my best advice, but I, I'm a fan of just keep keep doing it, dive in and recognize the thing, ask for feedback, which is hard, and and then keep tweaking. But don't tweak everything at once. Tweak one or two things and just keep getting better. Yeah, I think there's so many different components that need to come together to make a successful live event that it's tempting to think, okay, I've gone above and beyond here with this one aspect. It might be I've created a killer presentation or I've got this great camera and I've got it set up perfectly and I I know how to, it's going to stream with this program I've got or uh, I, I'm really good on camera and I feel like uh, I'm a natural there. Like, but all those different things need to come together, including some other things. I think it's really easy to learn the hard way that those things all need to come together just right to make that good live stream. And I just want to say that I've seen that happen with with yourself and other people at TechSmith that have, that have run live events that you guys seem to really have that together. And that might be because you, like you said, you know, you were running things all by yourself, but now you've got some help and you kind of maybe have a good um, distribution of the work there. But I just wanted to commend you guys on on how well you're doing. Well, well thank you. And let me just say that in a lot of the things we do, it is, it is never just one person, right? And so I think that's an important point I want to bring up here is that you don't have to be awesome at all of it. And it's very rarely that anyone is, right? Like, so we'll, we'll take a different live event outside of the, the live stream because that's, I think, a little bit of an anomaly because it's, it's kind of a small experimental still thing and we don't put a ton of people on it. But like we did a live event this year that was like a four-hour kind of online digital learning experience but it wasn't just one person doing that. We had multiple presenters, so they all had to be good. They had to know their stuff. We had someone who was acting as the host that could MC and kind of keep things moving through. And we had, you know, the person who was really in charge of all the planning, but he was working with multiple people to, you know, make sure he had the right content and make sure we had the emails, make sure we had the signups, everything that had to happen on that kind of back end, he was focused on. So like our presenters didn't have to worry about that. But even then we had people that were just monitoring the, the comments that were going through so they could answer technical questions or could answer, you know, questions about the event or whatever was happening during the thing. So it really does take a lot of people. And I think sometimes because in L&D, we tend to have small teams, we don't have a lot of budget, you know, it's uh, we don't necessarily get buy-in from around the organization. Sometimes we think we have to do it all and be awesome at all of it. If you can be awesome at like part of it, and then the other stuff is just okay. Like that's still good. <laughs> like I think sometimes right. we think we have to do everything and and I can't do everything. There's there's stuff even for the show that I'm like, I need help. I need help. I have people that review the like the descriptions and we have someone that does do uh, makes the thumbnails now. And you know, and for them that's like the simple, easy one-off task that I sometimes I have to remind them of because it's like not their kind of day-to-day core job, but if I, if, when I was trying to do everything, it wasn't great. And it gets better because I have more people helping me that are really good at, you know, thumbnail design or titles and descriptions and SEO and keywords and, and all that. Uh, it's when we work together that I see our best stuff come together, right? Like that's when we make the best work. Um, and I, I'm lucky I get to be part of that. And I, you know, in, in some cases it's, I get, maybe it's, it looks like I'm doing a lot more because I'm the face of it, right? I'm the one that's on camera. I'm the one that's talking. I'm the one uh, that gets the presence, but there's so much that goes on behind the scene that just for all the little pieces that I'm so grateful for the team, because, you know, for people who do this on their own, 
whew, it's a lot of work. It is a ton of work and it's hard to be consistent and it's hard to be good all the time when you're doing everything. Yeah, I totally agree with that. And you know, maybe I'm a little guilty of it myself here that I'm, I'm underestimating the amount of work that goes on behind the scenes by other people and risking attributing all of it to the person in front of, of the camera. But I remember when I was working at a company before they were really doing much of any virtual ILT sessions, the unsung hero behind the scenes was the woman that was managing all of the class schedules. And at the time, this may be dating myself, but all of the printed materials that were going to go to each of the participants in the class. And the instructor-led trainers that recognized that really went out of their way to thank her for, for all her hard work. So a lot of work goes into creating a production of, of any kind and just moving things online, especially if they're live and virtual. Yeah, there's a lot of work that goes into that. And it's almost like there's a new role that's been created in L&D, which may go by many names, but I think the one that might be most appropriate is just a producer role. Mm -hmm. So the person that's running things behind the scenes, um, I think is just as important as the the person that's actually up speaking or, or in front of the camera. Yeah. Can I uh, just kudos to that thought because it is, it is so important and you know, and you don't always get that role. You don't always have someone to do that, but I know I feel it like I am immensely more confident and at ease when I know someone else is watching my back on things. Um, and, and, you know, not everything to, needs somebody that's coordinating a million things. Uh, but it's, it's just, it's easier, right? It's so mm. much easier. And it's, and those people really are unsung heroes because they, they do so much, but at the same time, you, you need good producers. You need good people in front of the camera. You need good, you know, good content. You need all the pieces to come together. It's, it really is part of the team. And, and, in small organizations, you probably wear most of the hats. And so you got to sometimes pick your battle, which, which thing are we going to be really awesome at? Um, and you'll know, you know, you know, which is going to be the most important, um, but it's great skills to learn. Mm -hmm. Okay, Matt, I'm going to turn the tables on you. And as you do with so many of your guests on the visual lounge, I'm going to steal a question that you ask your guests at the end. What's one question that you'd like to ask me? I love that you've turned this around on me because <laughs> as I tell my guests, oftentimes this is the hardest question, right? What, what do you want to ask? Well, what is something that you love about, you, you mentioned that you're self-employed now, right? And so what's one yep. thing that you love about that? And what's one thing you, you wish you could change? So I'll start with the thing I wish I could change. I actually do miss the ability to go into the office and see people and interact with with coworkers. I really do miss that, even though I'm a really big introvert. And the pandemic has made that even worse because I was starting to recognize that as something I wanted to do anyway. And I was looking into co-working spaces, but even now with things a little bit better with vaccines and stuff, I just don't feel comfortable just going and working someplace just to get out of the house. Mm -hmm. um, so that's one thing I regret. Um, the, the things that are going well, was that the other half of your question? Yeah. What, what do you love about it? Anything? Yeah. Oh, yeah. What I love about it is just the, the flexibility, getting to set not just my own schedule, but just my own pace and way of doing things, choosing which clients I work with and setting up. I don't know what the right term would be, but I'm just going to say a bench of clients. Mm -hmm. So 
it's it can be a little bit overwhelming at times, but just constantly working to fill a 40 hour work week with various projects here and there, you know, if, if something falls through with one of those, I still have the other things in place. So in a way there's less job security than a full-time job, but there's more as a result, if that makes sense. Well, that's awesome. Well, you don't get coworkers in the office, but uh, you know, anytime you want to chat, <laughs> yeah. there's lots of us. I think I'm like you probably more introverted, even though it probably doesn't come across that way on like podcasts and stuff. But I, I do find myself now that my kids are back in school and two, my two older kids have left for college and stuff. It's I like it's lonely during the day, which was something I didn't experience <laughs> when everybody was home all the time. So I, I definitely understand that. Yeah. And there is um, just such a good network of learning and development folks out there, both locally and abroad, that it's just good to hit people up and be like, hey, do you have time to chat? Well, aside from you being online and doing things for TechSmith, where can people go if they want to follow and connect with you? I would say the, the best place right now is on LinkedIn. You can look for Matthew R. Pierce. Uh, just my profile will come up. Otherwise, I am on Twitter. Uh, those were probably the two kind of social places. I actually nuked my uh, personal website recently just because I was like, I'm not using this. I'm not adding to it. And it's just costing me money. So uh, I've got to figure that out. But LinkedIn is, I'm pretty active on that. And so you'll, you'll see posts from me and get information, but also happy to connect and chat. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Matt, for talking with me today. Well, thanks for having me.